Hello everyone, Joshua Gilliland here, one of the founding attorneys of The Legal Geeks. We are here to discuss Lower Decks, the need of therapy, and <laughs> uh, a whole bunch of issues in this Room for Growth episode that starts off with a trope from uh, the Next Generation episode, Masks, and does a, has a lot of fun with that. With me, uh, as, as my number one is uh, Nari Ely, and we are going to warp in and, and take this apart. Nari, how are you? I'm doing great, Josh. Um, always happy to live in a time of uh, lots of new and wonderful Star Trek. And this was, again, a, a great episode. I did not disappoint. Highly enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I, I have my licorice with me. So we're... Um, Excellent. Because I'm not an animal. I am uh, <laughs> I do like black licorice. So mm -hmm. with that, uh, let's begin. So this episode picks up with the captain's possessed. The ship is getting converted into a very uh, rustic and primitive looking temple with sacrificial altars and aqueducts. And we don't see her get liberated but we see the engineers who've been working for a week to fix things and they are not doing well. All got bags under their eyes. Billups, you know, uh, uh, has a little nervous breakdown and strikes Jax and, is, and uh, Jax is just holding him saying, let it all out. So they're having a bad time because they've been working nonstop fixing what's been broken. And so they get therapeutic shore leave. And unlike the episode Wolf in the Fold, where they go to a red light district, this is an actual therapy uh, ship named the Dove. But that allows for multiple other stories to be happening while some of our heroes are getting therapy. And there's a lottery so people can get staterooms. And again, just to you know, talk boat, it's not a room. It's a stateroom or it's a compartment or it's personal quarters. The fact all those people have to sleep in hallways or companion ways makes no sense. You could space things out so there are barracks and that people can have personal time. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot there. So they decide, hey, let's, after finding out that Delta Shift is going to go rig the system, uh, three quarters of our heroes decide they're going to go rig the system too. So that way they can not sleep in a companion way, which I mean, kind of makes sense, but that takes them to the holodeck, which is in black and white. Uh, it's a bonk robbery. And it looked to me like a uh, Bonnie and Clyde fantasy. Yeah. And so we've talked a lot about holodecks, Nari, and Take it away on the horrors of uh, of what you overhear, uh, Jax and uh, uh, Tiana uh, say to each other. Yes. Yeah, so, although we never actually get to the most juicy detail involved, which was uh, how Doctor Tiana uh, lose lost her tail, there was a fair amount of private conversation that was overheard. Um, things of a sexual nature, things that most people would consider to be private, and they these two parties clearly intended to be private. Um, I would hazard a guess that there are sort of you know, privacy policy, written policies regarding entering a, a holodeck with a program in progress um, without permission and things like that. I would just assume by, by, the, by the 23rd or 24th century, we get that. <laughs> um, but uh, there are, in fact, uh, criminal statutes involving eavesdropping. Um, that is arguably what is going on here since, uh, you know, without the knowledge or consent of uh, either Shax or Dr. Tiana, um, uh, our, our three quarters of our heroes are listening in to a very private conversation. Um, now, I want to point out that the code here uh, is state by state, uh, but the one in California uh, uh, is, you know, relatively representative, um, and it makes it a crime uh, for a person to intentionally and without the consent of all parties to a confidential communication uses an electronic amplifying or recording device 
to eavesdrop upon or record the confidential communication. Um, now, so a couple things to note about that. You have to intentionally do so. Um, you can't, you know, if you accidentally overhear someone saying something uh, that wouldn't qualify. Um, it has to be without consent. That part seems a given. Um, and then also has to be confidential. So confidential communication is defined in the California statute. It means any communication carried on in circumstances as may reasonably indicate that any party to the communication desires it to be confined to the parties there too. Um, and then of course the, uh, the, the last bits are uh, that you're eavesdropping and that you used an electronic device to do so. So, you know, if, if anyone's wondering, am I, have I, have I violated this statute. Um, it, probably not because you probably weren't intending to do so and you probably weren't using an electronic device to do so. Um, and in this case, you know, our heroes might have an out here on the intentionally. Uh, they were probably committing other privacy violations by going into a private holodeck program <laughs> without permission like that. Um, but I think their defense here, their defense jag would argue <laughs> that they did not intentionally eavesdrop on that conversation. Of course, this is only going to get them so far because it was accidental while they were uh, attempting to commit other crimes, <laughs> But uh, as we'll get into in a little bit. But they might actually be off the hook for that one. Um, they, they shouldn't have been here in the first place, and there are problems with that. But they did not go to the holodeck with the intent of eavesdropping on Shax and Tana. Um, so that they might actually get off for this one. They also didn't use an electronic device uh, to amplify the sound or record it. Um, worth noting that if anybody uses a hearing aid out there, that is specifically carved out of this statute. <laughs> yes, and while we're in the holodeck, the doctor decides to turn off the safety protocols. So the, you're, they're using live rounds. There's no warning label. There's, there's no command code that's given. It's turn them off. That seems like a really bad product design to that it's so easy to just turn it off. I totally agree. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's just problematic. It's just... Uh, it's like you have to turn your ignition on <laughs> for a car to start. It just doesn't go. So there's uh, just highly problematic that this device functions this way. And I think the design would be unsafe as design. So it's not a product defect when it's a feature. But that doesn't mean it's okay for it to operate that way. So no, so I, I do think there there could be liability because Boimler nearly gets shot in the head. Uh, if Jax hadn't paused the program, Boimler would have died. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's there's at least a couple things. The first is I hope I really hope and pray that at minimum the computer would not accept the command uh, from an individual that is, for example, not an adult um, or otherwise incapable of giving legal consent. Uh, and, and, and assuming risk, right? Um, uh, we don't see we don't see any indication, for example, that there's uh, uh, an actual assumption of risk before you go in and start a program or when you start a program. Um, uh, there's also no like this seems like as you're pointing out, sort of the negligence in the design um, or liability in the design of this product. There isn't even a confirmation like uh, we get our, our computers today in the 21st century ask us to confirm before we do all kinds of totally uh, uh, normal mundane things like deleting a file, like things that could matter, but are not going to kill us. <laughs> um, you know, presumably for something like turn off the safety protocols, there should be at least like a little confirm, like the computer saying, uh, you know, you asked to turn off the safety protocols, please confirm and assume the risk. <laughs> Um, the last one is there are two, at least so besides the fact that Boimler and the crew is in here, they're in there without the knowledge of the, uh, the two people who are participating. But there are at least two participants, and presumably the computer is aware of the fact that there are multiple people, regardless of whether or not they're, you know, sort of 
intentional or or authorized participants in that program um it seems extra problematic that it can be a single party uh, involved saying turn off the safety protocols um you can imagine all kinds of issues with that where uh, like you know josh i uh invite you to go on a holodeck program adventure with me uh i am secretly hoping to kill you in doing so and so uh at the middle of what is you know maybe a base jumping experience that we're having or something turn off the safety protocols in the hopes that you're going to test mush at the bottom. <laughs> you wouldn't be the you wouldn't be the first woman to try. So <laughs> their ex-girlfriend actually invited me as the first date to go on a 50-mile bike ride. And I said no because that's bonkers. <laughs> so that's maybe five, 50. No. That's certainly a health risk. <laughs> Yeah, and she was a nurse. So no, I didn't need anyone to see me throw up. So uh, no, that said, this just screams bad mojo uh, that you could just turn it off without a confirmation or consent of all parties, that there's no other warning given, uh, that uh, it's just, it's a really dangerous design that you could do that. And while it's handy if the Borg have invaded your ship, uh, you, the captain being able to have the authority to do that is one thing, but the fact that anyone could go like, yeah, I, I feel like reckless driving, turn off the safety protocols, no airbags here, like, mm, just, just a really bad, bad idea. Uh, before we get too deep into the uh, issues around all the engineering that's going to happen in this, Last week, we talked about Carol Kane as being the chief engineer of the Enterprise in the next season of Strange New Worlds. We really should have counted all the series because we forgot Bolana Torres as chief engineer on Voyager. And I just brought that up because it was also Rosanna Dawson's birthday this past week as well. Oh, no! <laughs> I feel super bad. Oh, no, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's just, we should have counted. We should have just gone through all the series and and we would have gone like, oh yeah, Balana. That's the one series I really haven't done a bunch of rewatches on. So that's... Uh, I've watched it at least twice, so that one's on me. <laughs> it, it was just, it was a long day. So, but uh, yeah, oops, sorry. Uh, needed to issue that correction. Beloved character, great role, uh, Yes, we, we absolutely love Belana Torres. Apologies. Yeah, the first female captain, the first female chief engineer. So yeah, that was that was a huge oversight. Which now brings us back to more engineering. So our intrepid heroes decide to go hack a Federation computer. We're now into computer crimes. There's a lot wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Take it away. <laughs> Take yeah. It away. So it will not surprise people to learn that uh, hacking a, a, a computer um, is a crime. Uh, there are numerous federal statutes that could cover conduct like this. I'm I'm going to cover sort of the biggest one. There's also state statutes that uh, we'll get into the one that's that's here in California. Um, so if you are well asterisk first of course nothing on this show should be construed to be legal advice however it's just a matter of you know as of prudence uh you should people should be aware <laughs> that if you're thinking about accessing someone else's computer um even without sort of extra criminal intent uh you may be running afoul of federal and state uh laws governing uh access to computers um so, you know, best just to, to not. Uh, so here we go. Uh, so here our heroes are thinking about essentially accessing a, a Starfleet computer on the ship in a secure location. It's a computer that they uh, do not otherwise have access to. Um, they're, they're not authorized to, to go get it. Otherwise, this would have been a much simpler operation. Um, and so uh, they're in planning to go there in order to essentially alter the lottery program to only accept the, the four of the, them. Um, uh, Rutherford obviously isn't there, but they're including his name um, for the, in the lottery for those what they believe to be four rooms um, that are uh, available. Um, so this is going to bring us to uh, what's known as the, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the exact name, I believe it's the computer, 
uh, Crime and Fraud Act. I'll have to double check uh, what that one is. Um, yes, Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. There we go. The CFAA is the biggest one. Um, and this is under uh, uh, Title 18 USC, um, or uh, 18 USC Section 1030. Um, uh, fraud and related activity in connection with computers. Um, the most relevant parts here are that it states whoever, uh, this is subsection A3, intentionally without authorization to access any non-public computer of a department or agency of the United States, and on the legal geeks, we're assuming United States here can substitute for a federation, accesses such a computer of that department or agency that is exclusively for the use um, of the uh, government or the United States, um, or uh, subsection four, uh, knowingly and with intent to defraud accesses a protected computer without authorization or exceeds authorized access and by means of such conduct furthers the intended fraud and obtains anything of value. And then there's a bunch of punishments. The relevant ones here are if you violate the first one, subsection three, um, you're on the hook for a fine um, or imprisonment of not more than one year or both. And if you violated subsection four, uh, that would be imprisonment of um, not more than five years if it is not a repeat offense, or 10 if it is. <laughs> Uh, so pretty serious uh, penalties on the on the book there. Um, even the least one that I just mentioned that's relevant is still up to a year of jail time, which is nothing to thumb your nose at. Um, now, a couple things here to note. Uh, the first one is, uh, so, you know, under subsection three, our elements here are intentionally, unlike the eavesdropping we were talking about before, there really isn't a way around that. Uh, they are intentionally doing this thing. Um, without authorization is actually slightly interesting. Um, there's a little bit of, of disagreement among some courts, but in general, uh, most courts and most federal prosecutors uh, will not prosecute under subsection three here um, if someone is essentially an insider. That is, they have, at, they have authorization for some things. <laughs> Um, but not this thing. Um, and that's going to get us to subsection four, which I'll get to in just a second. Um, but uh, uh, and then, of course, accesses a computer uh, of a department uh, or agency of the United States um, or a computer that is exclusively for the use of the government of the United States. Um, so subsection three, um, they fit every element except possibly without authorization. But they're uh, unfortunately, subsection three is also the one that carries the lower penalty. Subsection four, I'm I'm having a hard time finding where they're going to get out if I'm their defense jag here. Um, and that's knowingly, they're obviously doing this with knowledge. Um, there's no real argument that they're not aware of essentially every element of what they're doing, <laughs> including the fact that it is unlawful. They actually talk about, um, it, it, before they decide to undertake this plan, whether or not they ought to do it. Um, there's a little bit of the sort of, well, everyone else is breaking the rules, so therefore we can, but they're clearly aware. Um, it, this isn't sort of a specific intent crime where you have to know that you're breaking the law, but even if it were, they're clearly aware of it. Um, they do have intent to defraud in the sense that they're attempting to commit a fraud um, on the, the system for assigning rooms. Um, uh, and they're in, intending to obtain something of value in doing so. Now, there's a little bit of a part of this subsection that I didn't read that may or may not be relevant here, um, which is unless the object of the fraud and the thing obtained uh, consists only of the use of the computer, not relevant, or the value of such use is not more than uh, $5,000 in any one year period. Not really. They're not just accessing this for the use of the computer. Um, they're doing it in order to obtain the rooms. Um, and unfortunately, this is pretty broad. That's probably of value, which is why they have a lottery in the first place. <laughs> People would probably pay if they could in order to get out of those companion ways, as you're mentioning, Josh. Um, so unfortunately, I think they're on the hook for that. Um, and then this one, unlike subsection three, says, uh, includes exceeds authorized access as opposed to strictly without authorization. And this has been interpreted by both courts and federal prosecutors to include exactly this circumstance where a person has some access, they're an insider, but they go beyond that, uh, that prescribed access in order to do it. The last thing to note here is that this, this subsection uses the term protected computer. Um, that is not as one might think, uh, just referring to a computer with anti-hacking technology or protections. Um, it is a statutorily defined term 
Section uh, 1030E2 defines protected computer as a computer exclusively for the use of a financial institution or the United States government. Um, so unfortunately, they're on the hook for that one as well. It's actually quite broad. Some um, civil liberties organizations take issue with this statute specifically because subsection B uh, also uh, defines protected computer to include computers which are used in or affect interstate or foreign commerce or communication. That is that's quite broad. So point being, though, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, Josh, they're on the hook for uh, subsection four. What say you? Oh, absolutely. It's they had a criminal conspiracy. It's like there's no criminal conspiracy to commit computer fraud. You don't walk that off and they nearly get killed in the process. So there's probably some weird negligent endangerment for themselves since they're trespassing throughout the ship in order to get to that computer terminal. So they're, yeah, they're they're guilty any way that you cut it. Yeah. And I'm mean, like, you they probably get convicted for contempt or an attempt of it, uh, even though they don't go through with it because uh, they stop at the last second. We still punish people for trying to do crimes. There were many material steps to advance and perform this thing. So either on the conspiracy or the attempt, I agree with you, Josh. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's how you get them. And uh, it's probably a conduct unbecoming in there as well. <laughs> so <laughs> there was a, there's a lot there. Oh yeah, uh, we haven't even gotten into UCMJ, but there's there's catch-alls for this for a reason. Yeah, just Boyd, Bold, Boimler getting into trouble. And uh, yeah, a lot there, a lot there. And actually, Josh, you made a really interesting point, which is that people very nearly died during this. <laughs> Boimler literally got pulled out of uh, the, the deflector core, it looked like, or something along those lines by his hair. Um, and uh, it should be noted that I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head or based on the research I've done so far if this is a felony. Typically, statutes that carry prison penalties in excess of a year are. Um, so you could be on the hook here for felony murder if somebody died during the commission of this crime, including, depending on which state you're in and depending on how they define felony murder, including one of your co-conspirators dying, not just a bystander or something. So the, they may have really uh, dodged uh, more than one bullet here in this operation. Yeah, the fact that the female officers had to use their clothes as, the, as a tether uh, points for resourcefulness but <laughs> it's like wow it's not gratuitous but okay <laughs> so it's i mean ransom rips off his shirt so i okay but it's totally weird totally weird never seen that before in track i i liked it for showing off the resourcefulness it would be better of course if you were being resourceful while not committing a crime <laughs> Exactly. Uh, while they're tripping on the lack of O2 uh, with the, I guess, carbon dioxide poisoning, that was hysterical. Uh, but yeah, again, a lot to unpack and they just should not have been doing it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the medical. Oh, wait, treatment. I just wanted to mention oh. for the curious, there are state laws in every state for uh, computer crimes as well. In California, this would be California Penal Code 502 sec subsection C. I won't get into it because it's extremely similar. Um, they would also be guilty of that one, but just, just keep that in mind. So there's federal and state for this. That's all. So healthcare is an important topic and especially mental health. And the, I, I did think of you when the therapist said, and for the deviants, we have kittens. I, I thought of me too. Yeah. <laughs> my, my partner and I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, it's like, oh, Nari, that was my immediate reaction uh, to that scene uh, since you're surrounded by kittens right now. So. Oh yeah. Um, it's out of frame and if people are listening you obviously wouldn't be able to see but I do in fact have one kitten on my lap and one kitten resting behind me with his head hanging off of my chair I don't know how it's comfortable uh, I'm certainly not comfortable but we do these things for love again kittens so uh, we can we understand your treatment regimen 
All right. So the engineers get ordered to therapy because they've been working super hard. There's a lot here. So someone can have a 5150 hold if they are a danger to themselves. This is not, it's close to that because they're getting ordered to go relax, to go recover. It'd be one thing if they were, you know, ordered to go take some Ambien and get a full night's sleep. Would that have been sufficient? Or did everyone need a mani-pedi and a, you know, body massage and, and you know, cucumbers on the eyes in order to fully recover? I don't know. I'm not a mental health professional. Uh, I've never done that. And maybe that's a problem. Don't know. Uh, that said, they're ordered to that care because they're at the breaking point and Billups does break. So he clearly needs help. And the fact that he struck another officer who's the tough Bajoran, that just seems like a bad life choice. And it's good that he has high emotional intelligence and is nurturing. So good. Uh, but I do think getting ordered to care uh, instead of getting court-martialed for battery makes sense because they've been cleaning up after an ancient mask that possessed the captain and started terraforming the, sh the ship. Okay, kind of get that. Those, those guys are all overworked. And apparently it's happened like twice in a month. So again, the captain really needs to be careful. <laughs> yeah. I, I get once. Yeah, fool me once. Shame on you. <laughs> Only it's, twice. <laughs> look at this Mardi Gras mask and all hell breaks loose. So again, you think you would learn from that experience. And apparently the fact that it keeps, it seems to be a frequent thing <laughs> that, that people keep getting possessed by these ancient masks and that there's actually prescribed medical care for it. Uh, apparently the captain needed to be on top of that as well. So they go off to, to recover. Now, let's break that down. I think absolutely Billups, in order to avoid prosecution, needed to go. So that way we're not dealing with who was under extreme mental stress, was at the breaking point, and therefore uh, was not mentally competent at the time that you know he didn't understand the wrongfulness of his action. Therefore, not guilty. However, he clearly needs care in order to recover. Totally makes sense. We have a history with the military and, and orders for medical care that's a little on the complicated side. So I'm not comparing therapy to getting the anthrax vaccine, but it is a good comparison for getting ordered to go have medical care. Now the engineers, if you've known engineers, you know that people like that tinker. They're always building something. I'm related to a few, call them dad and papa. So I know the personality type of, I always wanna be building something is <clears throat> what they do. That's happening here. And they can't relax because they keep designing circuit boards to improve warp core efficiency. Uh, getting in build time is, as one, one of them puts it. Yeah. It's, you know, while getting a, a lower back massage, also tinkering. Cool. I mean, but maybe that's how they relax. Some people paint, maybe some people need to go design something, uh, and get a full night's sleep. So they're, uh, I know we're talking about the law. I do want to mention just like to, to empathize. Um, uh, I, I play, I play video games as one of my primary ways to relax. Although the games that I play are often either on the highest difficulty setting and or are incredibly complicated 4X strategy games in which my, my boyfriend has frequently commented when he sees me playing them. Wow, Nari, that looks an awful lot like work. <laughs> And it's true, but I, honest to God, that that absolutely relaxes me. So I, I kind of get it. Yeah, some people, I mean, Bush 43 took up painting. It's just, that's work. It makes him happy. 
Eisenhower did too. So people do take that up or a musical instrument. There, there are ways to unwind that's a mental uh, escape from what you're usually doing. Even if um, some people would cons- would consider that work. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, they're they're all at the breaking point when they fix the uh, the door, and Billups can't articulate the word door because yeah. he's so. And like they all pounce on it to fix it, and they realize, oh, they're all pretty far gone. So like you know, they're all wearing bathrobes short short bathrobes because that's what happens in the future and like they're unable to relax and so nari let's talk about getting ordered to therapy and whether i do think it's a lawful order but do they have to follow the medical care that they're being ordered to take yeah, and I think you mentioned this, but you know, we obviously appreciate that being ordered onto essentially mandatory shore leave is different in magnitude for sure from being ordered to undergo all kinds of other medical treatments that you could imagine, some of which might be very invasive. Um, but uh, I do think it brings up the same sort of concept, and so it isn't necessarily different in kind. They're still undergoing a treatment to try to literally reduce their cortisol levels, their stress hormones. <laughs> um, they're they're put they have devices put on their wrists at the beginning, right, to measure. Their stress levels um, and see if they can bring uh, uh, be brought down to an acceptable level. Um, so it's 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 worth talking about. Now, the first thing that's always worth talking about is while military personnel certainly do not sign all of their rights and all of their constitutional rights and such at the door once they sign up to enlist or to take a commission as an officer. Um, you you are required to do things at minimum as a sort of condition of your service, so condition of employment. You can consider it a uh, condition of deployment, so like consider being considered deployment ready um, or promotion, right? Get moving into either a higher position as an officer or into a more selective service if you're enlisted and things like that. Um, uh, the, you you can be required uh, to do things in order to stay in the military or to move forward in the military um, in your career that civilians would not be required to do. Um, And you actually sign a lot of things when you join the military, not all of which obviously are controlling, but they still put you on notice. One of them does state, I understand that many laws, regulations, and military customs will govern my conduct and require me to do things under this agreement that a civilian does not have to do. Um, So, this brings us to, you know, if it's, if a military person, a uh, military uh, uh, personnel is ordered to essentially undergo a medical treatment or medical procedure, um, do they need to give informed consent? Now, we've talked a lot about informed consent in the past. It is the touchstone of medical ethics and medical law in the United States, and it is not necessarily uh, inapplicable in the military context. So, um, in general, most of the things, like I said, are going to be required, uh, I, I use required or mandatory in air quotes because they're required as a condition of your service, um, you, which means that you can technically refuse, right? Uh, so, in this instance, because we're talking of the lowest order of magnitude, nobody here is going to jeopardize their career and say no to a mandatory spa day. But you can certainly imagine medical procedures that someone might be ordered to undertake that they would decide, you know what, it's not worth it for me, this is really invasive, or it's really important to me, maybe for religious reasons, I can't do this, I'm gone, goodbye, I quit. Um, And you can do that. (laughs) Um, There are, uh, however, circumstances in which even uh, under those, even under that set of rules, you might still not be required to give informed consent. So let me get into that. It's a very narrow exception, um, but this was once litigated back in 2004. Um, some people may remember there was some controversy around an anthrax vaccine um, that was considered um, uh, experimental, I can say, as as charitably as I can. Um, it the, the factual matter is that it had not gone through the regular full um, approval process and was not approved under the uh, by the FDA for civilian use. Uh, and the, de- the Defense Department was attempt was requiring um, military personnel um, to get this vaccine, despite that it was not approved for civilian use. No, I believe no previous vaccine or you know injection had been required uh, for service, um, which was not 
otherwise already approved by the FDA, um, absent some very dark and things we should not repeat experiments on soldiers, but legally there had and openly there had not previously been such a requirement. Um, and so it, uh, a handful of soldiers representing a larger group of soldiers um, sued in order to try to get an injunction against this requirement to essentially stop the DOD from requiring them to get this as a, as a condition of their service. Um, and the district court for the District of Columbia, um, which if anyone's curious why it was in D.C., a lot of times the proper jurisdiction for a lawsuit against the federal government is in D.C., um, actually enjoined uh, the DOD from continuing to require it. Now, there's some important caveats here. The first is that it was because it was not approved for civilian use. Um, and second is that the court expressly noted in its opinion, otherwise finding for these soldiers, um, that uh, in let uh, that uh, they could not continue to require it absent informed consent, so people can still consent to an unapproved uh, medical procedure, um, or a presidential waiver. Uh, and this kind of makes sense if you think about it. You know, the president is the ultimate authority for the armed forces. He, you know, he or she orders soldiers to go into life-threatening situations all the time. Um, so, you know, ordering someone to undertake a me medical procedure with or without consent, uh, you know, isn't completely outside the realm of what we think the president orders the military to do. Um, but process matters, Josh, as we talk about in the law all the time. Um, and so there really does have to be a presidential order to obviate the need for informed consent or a regularly approved treatment. Um, and in this case, President Bush uh, never issued such an order. Um, to the best of my knowledge in my research, no president has ever issued such an order. Um, and uh, it, you know, it, the reasons why are probably prudential that you it would need to be super duper important. Um, like you know, uh, we're fighting the zombie apocalypse, and we really need to find out if we can give this drug to soldiers to stop them from becoming zombies. Um, you might do it in that circumstance. Um, the other circumstance that you might do it in is a draft, because even if the president uh, ordered um, soldiers to undertake it, when you're not in this draft circumstance, as I mentioned before, if it's if it's important enough to somebody, they can just leave the military rather than do it. And that's not a negligible thing. It's a serious cost. Um, but it means that at the last, if someone really objects to it, they don't have to undertake the treatment. But of course, if you're in a time of draft, you can't. You go to jail if you do that. Um, and that would be probably the circumstance where this would be most applicable, um, because there's a lot of people who don't want to be in the military, in the military, and you might need to order them to take a bunch of vaccines. Uh, ordinary military personnel are vaccinated for all kinds of things, including smallpox and things that civilians ordinarily do not get vaccinated for. Um, so that's my take on that. Here, Mandatory shore leave does appear, I agree with you, Josh, to be a valid order because first, it's not an experimental treatment. This is a spa day. <laughs> um, I assume that all of these very non-invasive treatments uh, either don't require FDA approval because there's no medical device or um, um, substance, like pharmacological substance that's being used. Um, uh, and and uh, if it were, if it did, it would be approved. This is it's very benign. <laughs> um, the second part here is that uh, it's, it's again, only mandatory in the traditional sense in that it's a condition of their service. You know, they could get in trouble for failing to follow the order, um, uh, but they can always leave the service rather than uh, 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 accept it. Um, the, uh, however, there is at least one experimental medical device that gets introduced before the end of this episode and it's the uh de-stressing i don't know what the word is for it like soft frozen in carbonite <laughs> yeah. so body press yeah so the puppies weren't working yes uh and you know you're in trouble if yeah, you know you're in work. trouble with that you know that you hit the puppy limit and they're not helping you and again, it's also not a surprise that engineers drove the captain crazy. I know Coast Guard and Naval officers who might agree with that, but they're not here. Um, on the anthrax, our friend Mark Zay worked on the anthrax case. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm sure he has some interesting tidbits since, you know, he was there. Uh, yeah, so, but he'll be on Sunday for She-Hulk. 
anywho, it reminded me of the 1973 movie Sleeper by Woody Allen with the orgasm machine that you go into the box and come out happy. And that seems to be the padded room that the captain was put into. I yeah. prefer to interpret it as a cortisol extraction device, but it's just, but that's therapy shouldn't be rushed. Like it's a discovery process. It's a rest process. And I'm not saying she went into the orgasmatron. That's like not what happened here, but she comes out. I feel like a new woman. I'm completely healed. It's like, I, I, there are mental health professionals who are probably like throwing things at the screen um, because that it's, it'd be interesting to get one of their opinions on this because that there's like no self-discovery. There's no realization of like what stresses you out. It, it's purely, right. it's purely chemical. Even if this is working this one time, it is not setting up the captain for future success in managing her stress. No, no. There's like, what stresses me out and how do I deal with it? It's should not be, I just take a pill. Like that's. Although I would love that pill if someone could invent it, but. Yeah. Again, rough day. Sure. Uh but that's not how lawyers have a lot of cortisol let's just put it that way yeah that's just that's just not how life works Uh, like that's not how you deal with problems and uh, obstacles on the flip side um it's not like it's repressing them but there's like no fda approval of this exactly this is brand spanking new built literally minutes ago (laughs) never been tested on an animal much less a person um you know i i assume the show writers are not writing a long arc here in which this comes back with long-term side effects but um it could and this is exactly why um in the uh dovey rumsfeld case back in 2004 this is why the district court in that case uh, ruled in favor of the soldiers um it is this is an unapproved experimental treatment now granted she actually consents to it she she decides to go into there but had she been ordered to by someone that would raise serious problems and she could probably seek the intervention of a court it reminds me heavily of the navy inventing the air conditioner on the fly after president garfield was shot and which is oh the look on your face you don't know the story okay no please share okay so uh this is from destiny of the republic which is a amazing story about garfield's life his his assassin his you know and and the crap that guy went through that he was bonkers and uh, garfield shot in right before the fourth of july he lives for like another three or four months just in agony. So he takes a bullet when it's boiling hot in Washington, D.C. So he can't leave town. So he's back in the White House and it's, you know, disgusting hot. So naval engineers go, okay, it's hot. How do we cool this room down? And they built an air conditioner on the fly for the president to try to keep them comfortable. That's amazing. I, I can't believe I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, the the doctor that killed President Garfield with VIP medicine uh, was named Bliss. And that's where the phrase ignorance is bliss comes from. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So there's a Alexander Graham Bell invented kind of a rudimentary x-ray machine again on the fly so they could try to find the bullet and the problems were bliss was interfering and saying like only scan this side of the body because the bullet can't be on the other side which is where the bullet was and you know the cast iron frame bed as well was not helping with with uh, giving good results but they weren't looking in the right place because of the doctor so Treat patients as patients and don't let a moron call the shots is the moral of the story because you end up killing probably the guy who was the smartest president we ever had. Um, he, at parties, 
he would write with both his left and right hand in different languages simultaneously. The thought of doing that would give me a stroke. So I don't know anyone who can do that sort of thing. With... I can't even conceive of like, I like sometimes you can at least imagine how a person might do it. I can't, no, I can't, I can't even conceive of that. Garfield was brilliant. It sounds yeah. to me like, uh, I think you cover the Orville too. It sounds to me like uh, thinking four dimensionally. I don't even know what that that is. I can't conceive of it. No, no, it's be like a 2D character trying to imagine 3D. So they just, it's outside their wheelhouse. But that was Garfield, and that's the comparison of engineers in Starfleet to naval engineers inventing a, a air conditioner. And it's like, it's what these guys do. They make things. They're given a problem and they solve it. That's what they're good at. I, you know, it'd be like, they probably like model building as well, or tinkering on an old car. That's how they relax. So trying to fit their personality type through a specific spa day treatment is a little hard. Yeah, you know, it does seem surprisingly unsophisticated for what other seems otherwise seems like a very sophisticated uh, relaxation treatment ship. Yeah, that and it, they're only there for a few hours. So it's like it's, it's if this is spa day and they're, they're going to need a couple of days to unwind, it's like, let them go unwind. So if it's I need a nap, you know, and dinner. Okay, like that's how you get the bracelet from yellow to green. You know, let them go mellow out the way that they like. And if that's, I'm going to go put together a straight six on a 67 Mustang, like that's what they got to do because that's how they roll. So, anyway, uh, yeah, interesting treatment issues. Uh, I had one quick thought going back to our first topic. I just realized as we were talking, my brain made the connection. Um, I was talking about how for the criminal eavesdropping, the team probably isn't on the hook. I will say that I think uh, Boimler and Mariner rescue um, uh, their their friend from uh, actually doing the intentional um, because she does try to stay to listen to the rest of that story. Uh, so had she continued to stay there intentionally to listen, she would have then been on the hook, although there's still the question of whether or not they used an electronic device in the commission of that crime, but that would still get around that one. Fortunately, they pull her down the hole before she can hear the, the confidential information. Yeah, it's it's also might violate some of the peeping Tom statutes that are out there, which are, yes. you know, so there's that. Um, and if any of them go and publish this information, we covered, I think it was in a previous episode uh, of this about the mind reading orbs uh, or crystals. If, if any of them go out and publish that private information they hear, there are definitely state uh, privacy laws that that would violate. Um, and you could be on the hook for some very serious penalties for that as well. Yeah, and it raises the issue. What happened on the Algonquin, uh, which I'm not sure if that's a city in California or not. Uh, if it is, I haven't been there. And uh, Google can answer that question quickly. But it, it raises the point, like, has she always been on California-class ships or has she served on ships of the line as well? So don't know, but um, fascinating. So with that, uh, we should go without saying that Freeman does have a good insanity defense for any of the times that she was possessed by an ancient mask. And so she's not the one who would be criminally liable for terraforming the ship. Uh, when, when the, you know, Billups makes the comment about like what you did, she's like, no, what, what Morishi or. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. It was not me. And uh, I don't float down the hall like this. Uh, that, that, she totally defendable however uh medical care after being possessed multiple times probably is in order to see what kind of brain damage that did uh if any so uh, and the brain damage would explain why she keeps touching masks but <laughs> yeah what and again she puppies weren't helping her so, she should have tried kittens, Josh. That's really what she should have done. You know, she's not a deviant. So that's the, uh, 
yeah, that, that I think that's the test. So, yeah, but again, if a golden retriever puppy can't uh, cheer you up, you're pretty far gone. So there's a, there's no doubt about that. I mean, again, keep on pupping. Um, so that was a great line. I really, I really got a kick out of that. The, the dog's face was just no, no, not you. Keep on pupping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I totally get it. Oh, that was so sweet. Yeah. Well, again, it's it shows a giant lover, giant love letter to Star Trek, and I uh, just gotta gotta appreciate that. So with that. Anything else from this episode that we need to address? You know, I'm sure there's more that we could get into if we keep if we keep, uh, you know, boiling this potato. But I think we've covered, you know, most of the major legal issues that that came up here. Um, uh, I do I do appreciate the overall adventure, notwithstanding the fact that most of it is a is a a, a criminal escapade. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I do love, uh, I, I loved, of course, the sort of uh, conclusion of it in which they had the opportunity to complete their crime, uh, but chose not to uh, because they they believed it would split them up um, as a group. Although Rutherford, I think, points out towards the end that they could have shared the room. But <laughs> nonetheless, it's a very heartwarming uh, conclusion. Absolutely. And we will not speak of what Ransom does with those Chiros. So that's... Uh... Oh, God, yeah. I actually did think about, like, are there are there crimes here? It was uncomfortable even thinking about that. Only thing I can think of is maybe it's an unauthorized use of the... Of the, of the, of the yeah, but they, they, <laughs> they don't, again, clearly needs mental help after getting turned into a caveman. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, they said was he he was trapped somewhere for a long time, and that's when in he, the galley. So there yeah. we go. Yeah, yeah. So there's clearly they clearly need a better ship psychiatrist <laughs> than the Birdman because there's a lot of psych issues on this ship. It, yeah, and and trauma compounds. So when you look at Ransom, who went from zombie to a god to a caveman, like that has to keep compounding upon each other. So they really should not ignore mental health, uh, especially for those who are service members who keep enduring high stress and, well, they get transformed into things and then transformed back. You know, the, the guy got turned to stone and was brain dead for 10 minutes. Anyone following up on him? You know, does, does he see the koala in his sleep? It's a good thing to talk about. So, Shaq's clearly is traumatized by the fact that I was dead and we haven't talked about it. So, yeah, they they yeah. really do need to address mental health. So, uh, so yeah, there's that. <laughs> so, with that, everyone, that wraps up this episode of Lower Decks. We'll be back for She-Hulk, and soon we'll be digging into Andor as well, when we'll be doing three podcasts a week. So golden era. Uh, with that, everyone stay safe, stay healthy, and above all else, stay geeky. <laughs>